everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs, and with me is Jennifer Flynn, an intuitive business strategist. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Jennifer and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. Welcome back. It's good to be with you and our listeners today. We, in our last episode a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about working and and working alone and um, how during the pandemic, more and more people have started working from home. And we were just kind of chatting about some of the, um, well, there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great things about that. And there are a lot of challenges about that. And so we thought that we would take a little riff on that today and, and, see what's up about that. Yeah, I think that, you know, pandemic times has created a shift in values, maybe, um, I might go so far to say, where people saw that when they got all this time, that maybe they were thinking there were things they didn't want to go back to quote normal, Mm -hmm. and that they wanted to keep or change. And there's been a big change in not only how people view work and the hustle, but from how they view how they do their work and what kind of work they want to do. You know, certainly we've probably all heard something about the great resignation. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's not only changed how people as individuals show up to uh, their craft, but also how business and industry is changing and how we as consumers have changed in how we obtain the services that we want and the way the access that we have and the ways that we do it. What do you think is like, do you think this is a good thing, a bad thing, a neutral thing? What are you noticing about it? You know, I think that, um, I I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't say at least in my opinion that, that, that it's, that it's a neutral thing. Um, I I guess if you add up the goods, the bads, it might end up being neutral in its assessment. But to me, I think there are positives and negatives to it. Um, I think, you know, from a positive perspective, we learned, organizations learned that they could do a lot of things without making everybody report to an office and have rigidity and and, uh, a more strict structure and that people could probably get work done in less time when given freedom to do it. I also think that sometimes less oversight and freedom to do things. I mean, for even entrepreneurs, um, you know, it gives us, we're more prone to creativity, um, but also to distraction. And, um, you know, I know I'm just kind of rambling here. Isn't that what riffing is? But I I think there's a lot of factors and moving parts that have, that come with it. I know for Mm -hmm. me, my life didn't change a whole lot because I was, you know, I was, and am running an online business. So certainly I have local clients or clients that I see in person. And for those folks, I saw them, like I see the clients I don't see in person. Um, And what it did for them is make them realize, oh, 
um, I don't have to report to the office. She doesn't have to report to the office and we can still connect. And, and um, some of them had to learn the technology because they had mm-hmm. been had the luxury of not having to ever deal with anything like that. But all of their meetings were going that way. So meeting me that way um, allowed them a safe space to practice a skill that was going to be required in the world, AKA Zoom. And um, I, I certainly know that school teachers and, and those kind of um, endeavors, I, have, I had a lot of people who were working for other people it caused them to really want to take their craft out on their own and into entrepreneurship and realize that I can freelance. I can, like, it brought a connectivity to the world of people who were geographically isolated Mm -hmm. to realize that they can do big things regardless of location. Mm -hmm. And it expanded people's thinking. So I think, I mean, I think maybe largely now that I'm kind of externally processing that, I would tend to say it leans more towards there's probably a lot of positive change. Mm-hmm. Um, the negative change maybe being that it was just an incredibly difficult time. And it is difficult to sometimes, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is here, um, recreate what you do. And, and give it a different format. But at the same, I think what, what we all learned is our messages can be translated to people in a broader audience and you can still maintain high connection through a virtual platform. You know, like you, Jen, uh, I've been online for years and when the pandemic came, I was already completely online. So it didn't, it wasn't difficult for me in that way. I I don't, you know, there's certainly things one misses online. Um, You don't, you can't see the full body language. You can't, uh, you know, there is, there is something about being in person. I think that's very special and, and that can't be replicated online. Um, and I know for me with my clients, it's I, I find it works very well to be on Zoom. But like if I go to, I don't want to do an online conference. I don't like it. I want to feel the energy of everybody in the room. And so, you know, I loved going to, to in, you know, in-person things and I don't like doing them online. I just don't, I don't have, it doesn't give me enough energy to get through a three-day event online, I just, it's like I can barely make it through there. I don't exactly understand what that's about. I also think that, you know, it's very, it's, it's, it can be, again, we talked, I think in our last session, our last episode about different personalities. I'm kind of an al- a loner, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm an introvert. It suits me to work from home. And I know I've got friends, though, that are extreme extroverts, and they really need to feel the energy of people around them. And I think that can be very challenging. The other thing I've noticed is, you know, I'm working in some companies. I work with the the, uh, leaders and, and some of the team members. And I do notice that some of the team members feel like the leaders aren't really so available to them because they might show up on a Zoom call every now and then. Uh, but they're not rubbing elbows with them. You know, they're not really getting that more personal experience. So I do think that that it's that it's got negatives and positives. And I, I'd love to talk about how to 
you know, how do we make the most, those of us who do work from home, who are all alone in our little uh, home office, except for our dog, my dog is right down here, I can hear him, and there is something comforting about being able to hear him breathing and snoring and stuff, just to know that there's more, there's life here, but how do we you know, you mentioned at some point, Jen, about how you, if you're working from home, it's like, yeah, I walk out my office door and there are dishes in the sink. And if I were in an office, I wouldn't see those dishes. I wouldn't feel guilty for not doing them or I wouldn't feel pulled to do them. They would just wait. And here they don't wait. So I remember at one point, I'm going to give you this little one of the things I've done in the past was, you know, I remember my partner when I'm working from home, just wanting to talk to me and interrupt, just not thinking about it. And I finally put a sign up. I love you. I'm working now. I'll talk to you later. Just a sign, just a reminder. Um, you know, that's respectful. It, it, it's, it's, it's a gentle, loving boundary, but a way to, to, to not only, um, you know, acknowledge my partner, but also to acknowledge that I'm now at work as if I'm at an office, and that's how it needs to be viewed. But I do think that sometimes for me, I am quite the individualist, um, which is not always a healthy thing to be. I do think I miss out on the creative process that other people can bring to the table. No, I, I agree with you there, and I'm, I'm, I'm smirking and like stifling a laugh over here because while you have this very gentle sign that <laughs> illustrates your working, I had a sign in my home office that said, <laughs> mom is working. If you're bleeding or on fire, you may enter. And if you are, do it quietly. Otherwise, this is not an emergency and wait until I'm done. <laughs> I remember you telling me about that, Jen. <laughs> Unless so talk you're bleeding about or burning. Boundary. <laughs> Don't breach this doorway unless you're bleeding or on fire. And if you are, do it quietly. Oh um, my gosh. That is so funny. <laughs> I, uh, I was with my sister this week. I just went over, you know, we, now that I've moved to North Carolina, we're only in about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes away. So I went over for two days and she, I don't know how many of our listeners know about the Enneagram, but I'm a four and a fours are dramatic and sensitive. And, you know, we're, we're, we're very different in, in a lot of ways and, um, and get our feelings hurt very easily. My sister is an eight. Now, for y'all who don't know about an eight, the eight is the challenger, the boss, you know, the the hardcore, you know, I've I know the way. And we were talking about that this the, the last couple of days, how I wish so much she were softer, you know, and she wishes so much that I wasn't quite so sensitive. And 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 we're at a point now where we can have that conversation. But it was just thinking about your sign, my sign. I love you. I love you. Um, don't bother me right now, but I'm here for you. It's just, and you're like, unless you're on fire, <laughs> don't <laughs> breach the boundary. <laughs> um, but to your point that when you're working from home, like, and, and I know this is different for me as a parent than it would be for you, but um, yeah, there's dishes in the sink. There's a load of laundry that could be done. And if I set foot outside of that office, I'm going to be distracted by the things that are bothering me in my environment and wanting mm -hmm. to clean those things up. And it totally tanks my productivity. And I know we talked about, you know, being focused and, and productive in the world and when, and, and times when it's hard to do that in our last episode, but um, like, it's a giant distraction from me, for me. And I will reprioritize what I'm supposed to be doing 
when I step out and I see all the things. And mm. when you're in your home environment, I, I find it to be a very difficult thing from a, I think there's a mindset of being like for some of us, who we are at home and who we are at work. Mm. And when you work from home, you don't get as easy of a delineation of those two selves. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, it's hard to turn off work and sometimes hard to turn on the other thing or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't even have a distinguished office in my home anymore. I moved into a, a place with, um, you know, 600 square feet and, two bedrooms. And one of those rooms is my daughter's and one is mine. And I do not work from my bedroom because then I don't sleep. Like mm -hmm. I had a doctor years and years ago, tell me there are only two things you should be doing in your bedroom. And that is sleeping and intimacy and don't watch TV in there. Mm -hmm. Don't work in there. Yeah. And, and, and for me, that was a really, that was really good advice. And so I try to only work from the living room, but you know, my office is the living room. The living room is my office. Um, it's in community space. It's in family space. It's sometimes hard to switch the gears. I, I'd love to, to riff on that, Jen, because I do have clients who work from home. I've got mothers, clients who are entrepreneurs, huge, wonderful, successful businesses, but are also mothers. And they, they struggle so much with exactly what you just mentioned. So I'd love to hear more of your perspective on, you know, that she's in her office, in her home office, and then she walks out and she's got, you know, two twin four-year-olds and a 10-year-old and a 16-year-old. And she says she just, they are, the minute she walks out, even if it's in the middle of her workday, they're pulling at her. She's in work mode. It's hard for her to shift into family mode, vice versa. When she's in family mode and has had some good concentrated time in family mode, she knows she needs to get back to work. She has a very difficult time getting back to work. And it sometimes is quite, quite overwhelming. I'd love to hear some about how you have uh, handled that and I know that even for our our male entrepreneurs, there's some of that too. Of of just when I walk out that office door, this, that, and the other thing might pull at me. A hundred percent. And I think you know where we're at right now in summer. Kids are going to be home. Um, there's definitely a lot more of that inner out, and I I certainly have had that struggle myself. Of you, the second you set foot outside your office, um, you're in, it's like teleporting into a different environment mm -hmm. and it carries all of your attention and energy. And, and if we talk about the difference between men and women, or like, I usually like to say masculine and feminine energy and the ways that we think and how we process information and how much information we process at a time, this can be very different for masculine versus feminine energy. Feminine energy already has a natural diffuse awareness where we are processing many different things at once. Whereas masculine energy is very much process one thing at a time at depth. Mm -hmm. And um, these kind of disruptions can impact those those two energies very differently. Mm -hmm. And there are times when I'm in a very masculine energy um, and I'm processing and I'm working in that energy um, and have to respond accordingly. And disruption isn't good for either of those things. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly, it's why I, you know, sitting is the new smoking. I wouldn't leave my office for six, eight hours because I knew that I couldn't 
or I would lose the space mm. that I was in mentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was horrible for my back yes. to be sitting for that period of time or not yeah. moving for that period of time. But that's all that was conditioning that I had patterned because I had to in order to stay focused. So I think to your question, you know, what can we do and how do we deal with it? I I mean, I'm going to highlight the things that I know are important. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't mean they're easy. I think they're simple, but that doesn't mean they're easy. Right. And, and I think sometimes we, we often think that if something's simple, then it must be easy. And there are plenty of things in the world that are simple and hard. And there are plenty of things in the world that are complicated, but easy. Um, But you know, and these, like I said, these seem very superficial, but it is making sure that you're not just grinding it out and that you are, you know, getting up and moving. And it is hard to exercise boundaries around the workday of work versus household and other things. For me, I've had to become very proactive about my environment and making sure my environment is in good shape. Mm -hmm. so that I'm not distracted by it, like the dishes in the sink or the laundry or the kid who left the bath clothes on the bathroom floor or whatever. I have to, at the end of my day, make sure all that stuff is tidy so I get to start fresh in the morning. Or when I get up and get started on my workday, I'm not focused, I'm not present, um, or I'm late to my workday or the commitments I've made to my workday because I'm cleaning up crap. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I think that now that a lot of people have moved to working from home, your environment's a distraction. Mm-hmm. I think our external world becomes that much more important. Yeah, I agree, Jen. You know, for me, I was just talking to a friend this morning. I, I'm notorious for deleting text, let's say, or emails, um, I, I delete things very, very fast. And the reason I do that, it's the same way as I keep my house. I have to have a neat house. I have to have a neat house and I have to have a quiet house because my brain is so full all the time anyway. It's like those little bits can just be the thing that that pushes me over the edge. If there's too much noise, too much stimulation, too much mess, um, you know, I, I notoriously delete messages that there's something important in there and I forgot to grab it first and then I have to go. (laughs) But the whole point, and I I keep, even the, my desktop computer is so neat. Now, if you start digging into some of the files in there that you don't see at first glance, you're going to see maybe more of a mess, but, but I, it, for me and, and the, 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 my particular brain, it's very important for me to have neatness around me and, and to, to not have a lot of clutter, to not have, you know, I don't have a whole ton of knickknacks, for example. Um, I need neat. I need quiet. That's the kind of atmosphere that I work best in and that I think that many people work best in. I'm not going to say everybody, but I do think we can overload our minds. And I think it, in some ways it can be easier to do when we're at home. So, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here a little bit amazed at you, Jen, that you're that you can pull it off in your living room, you know, in your living space that you can pull this off in your living room. But I'm sure that's, I'm sure it's challenging for you. Well, it's particularly challenging because my living space is not, um, still not settled given my move Mm -hmm. and I still don't have furniture. 
Oh, well, so gosh. I, my furniture was going to be on order for four to six months. And oh so I still gosh. don't have furniture. I, you know, I've been recording me- meetings. Um, lately, I've been online and there's blue tape on the wall behind me because I'm getting some shelves there. Mm-hmm. And I taped up to do a mock-up of where, like how big the shelf would be and where it was and all of those things. So it is difficult for me in particular, as somebody who's got a reasonable amount of OCD, um, to be in that environment and have it so what I'm going to say disheveled and unsettled, but it's also difficult from a traffic standpoint, you know, like my kid, um, is only in public school part-time. So in a 600 square foot space, um, my kid is home in the afternoon. So I have to like manage my environment around that. Also, I'm, I'm excited for next year because, during my work hours, she'll largely be at school mm-hmm. and full time. So that does reduce the amount of in and out that happens. And that in and out happens midday. Right. Well, you know, what you're speaking to is a whole other topic, Jen, which is resilience, because there are times where no matter what, no matter our good intentions, no matter what we need to do, there are times where we simply have to deal with what is I, and I think my my concern about that is like that's huge that you have the resilience to be able to juggle all of this. It's not perfect. There's really absolutely nothing you can do about getting your furniture there or your daughter being in having the schedule that she has. There's really, you know, there's nothing you can do. And I think the caution I would give to to our listeners is that there are things that you just there's nothing you can do about it. But what I would say to that is. The, I want those times to be like, I don't want that to become a lifestyle. Like, I don't want it to become a lifestyle for Transitionary. you. Transitionary. Yeah. I, I don't want to become a lifestyle that you have no furniture and that you can't have any time, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I think it's easy when we're in those transition times sometimes to get into patterns that we um, perpetuate when really we need to make a plan to, to do something different. So, for example, I have a client who's exhausted, but he has to get through this promotion. He's known he was going to have to grind it out for about six weeks before he could take some time off. And just yesterday we spoke and I'm like, okay, you've got one more week. So how, what's your plan? What is your plan? Because it'd be so easy, even though we made this decision six weeks ago that he had to have time off because he's been grinding it out. It would to be so easy. In that just habit. To, yeah, just to stay there. And so we, we, we don't want to get caught and live in those places, but there are times we have to be in those places. I think we could do an entire show on resilience, honestly. We sure could. We sure um, could. And, and it's importance, but you're right. The resilience is really the, um, the key. And, and I, I would say, I would go so far as saying flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you just have to be flexible. And I think that this shift in working from home has created a lot of flexibility. I mean, we've had to learn flexibility. We've had, we've been given flexibility and, um, I think there's tremendous benefits from it. And one other thing that I think that kind of comes from it, and I might be um, making a departure from where we, where we we are in the topic, but I think there's been a values shift. Mm. I think people have changed what they value in this opportunity to work um, in a more flexible environment and be home. Like you, you know, 
on both ends of the spectrum. Sometimes people have chosen, like, I wasn't giving enough time to personal endeavors or my Mm -hmm. home or my kids or my family or my friends or my partner or whatever it might be. And sometimes people learned that they weren't giving themselves enough time and, um, and really kind of seeing what, what's really important to me. Mm-hmm. And then making, or maybe not even being able to make those shifts accordingly, but having a desire to make those shifts accordingly. I've certainly seen people make big shifts accordingly, but I've also seen people very unhappy because they knew they needed to make big shifts or they wanted to make big shifts, but they didn't know how to create mm-hmm. those big shifts. Mm-hmm. And so now that they have this awareness and their life or the way they're living is incongruent with that awareness, it creates a lot of unhappiness. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, one of the things we touched on in our last episode, as I recall, is, is about getting really clear about who we are uh, personally you know, because then we're going to be able to see, I I think I I often tell my clients, you know, your self-awareness is a superpower. Yeah. And, you know, the more I understand about how I work, I'm going to be able to put things in place to support me that, you know, I would need to put things in place to support me that you wouldn't need to do and vice versa, because our personalities, as we've many times discussed on this, on this uh, uh, podcast is we're, we are very different and how we uh, uh, work in life. And so, you know, back to your point too, about sitting all day and not getting up and how bad that was for your back. Just, I just wanted to mention that real quickly because the research shows that we work best in, in chunks of time. And that one of the ways that, and I've been using this with some of my clients, I've used it for myself, for my particular personality and for my clients that tend to be somewhat like me, but I think this is across the board could be helpful is a Pomodoro clock. Pomodoro clocks are incredible. And what they do is, is you turn this clock on. And there's an app for it. There's an app for that. And, you you know, it gives you, you set it for like an hour and a half, I think, something like that. They're actually 25 or 20 minute chunks with a five minute break. And you do four of them. Yeah, that's what I was going was it's like you do 15 minutes uh, and then you take a, you know, like a, I can't remember exactly, like a 90 second break. And that's all you do is you stand up, you stretch, you know, basically you sit down. And then after three or four of those, as you were saying, then you get like a 15 minute break. And during that break is, you know, you you might get something to eat or or you do some jumping jacks or whatever. And the research is showing that that is a wonderful way to to get a bunch of things done and do it quickly in a concentrated form, but also gives your body the break and your brain that little breathing room to, to recoup some of its energy for a moment. It's very powerful. I've got at least two clients right now who have started using it and are finding it incredibly helpful. And I think that staying on task when you work at home can sometimes be very difficult because there's so many things that can can pull you away. So I think it's very important that we experiment with, that we understand who we are, that we understand how, what our strengths and weaknesses are, and that we, as you said in another episode, that we work to strengthen our strengths and we mitigate our weaknesses rather than trying to make our weaknesses strengths, and that we experiment with the best structures and systems that support us in the way that is congruent with who we are personally. I agree. And, you know, I think that the trap I always got caught into with that sitting was I can't leave my office 
but you can get up and walk around or, mm-hmm. um, stand up and stretch. Like I, it, for me, it was like, leave the office and you're going to get distracted or hijacked by somebody. Mm-hmm. And now that the office is in community space, like that is something I definitely have to be much more disciplined about. And one of the things I've found true also is because the living room is my office, I'll work after dinner. Mm-hmm. And I have to be real careful about what, you know, um, and that's not a, that's not an imbalance thing as much as it is. Like I like to work and I, you know, I'll play during the day too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that there have to be clear defined boundaries around work and when you work and when you don't, like, I like to, I like to balance my work and play throughout the day in ways yeah. that, um, I don't, I don't make rules about Mm -hmm. when that can and can't happen. But I have noticed that I will work more than I typically would otherwise when it's just in front of me. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, to your point about not having rules about that, I'm the same way as you in that, Jen, that I I like to balance my days. I mean, I might work some on the weekends. I might work some, you know, but I I also play during the day in and out, you know, Mm -hmm. on and off and, and work and and I have a couple of clients who all they do is work all day long, all night long, and then they get a little bit of sleep and then they work again. I think they might need a few. I, you know, that's what I think rules are really meant to be. They're to help us get back on track. They're not necessarily. Guardrails. Yeah, they're not necessarily. We don't necessarily need them always, but we do need them at times when we're off balance. We need some rules. We need some structure. We need some systems that keep us, um, you know, working well and being healthy. Being Uh, healthy. Yeah. But once we've embodied those, you know, I don't know that we have to be so strict with ourselves about that. That said, those couple of clients I have, they need to be pretty strict with themselves if they don't want to kill themselves by overworking. Well, I think as with, to your point, I think it's like, what are the rules there to do for us? Are they there Mm -hmm. to keep us safe and protected and, and accountable to our values and our, our, um, you know, the, the compass that we've set for ourselves? Are they a constraint or are they, um, kind of a a safety measure? Mm -hmm. Well, Jen, we are pretty much uh, at the end of our time today. You know, I think that one of the things I'd like to say, and then I'll turn it over to you is just that, more and more people are working from home. Um, most of our clients, Jen and my clients, are are working from home. Some of those clients do have office spaces, but it's, you know, I think that for me, that the thing I want to leave people with is I think the more self-aware you are, dear listener, the more you're going to be able to experiment with the ways that work best for you. And that self-awareness and learning who you are is going to support you is much or better than most anything else. And then you'll, you'll be able to put in place some things that are, that are uh, flexible support for you. I would agree. And I think it really is about knowing thyself and, and I'm going to say again, you know, knowing your core values, knowing what's important to you, knowing Mm -hmm. who you want to be and making sure you're using that as the compass and is the way that you're working, the way that you're showing up in your, in your space each day, aligned with that or a departure from that and Mm -hmm. and what do you need in your world to get back to the core of that Mm -hmm. and sometimes that is a thing that we don't talk about that much or we aren't given a lot of attention to Mm -hmm. consciously it's just like we get in the habit we get in the 
we get in the grind of just getting the thing done. But I think this is your invitation to just evaluate, just ask yourself, okay, what, how am I working? And is that serving me? And is that aligned with who I want to be and how I want to live? And, and, um, you know, something I always had to ask myself, is that the example I want for my children? Mm -hmm. Um, and if not, then how would I like it to be? And what do I need to do to create that shift? Yeah. And, you know, get creative, everybody. It's a, it's a creative time. There's a lot of transition in the world right now. So get creative, a lot of opportunity and experiment just because you've done it one way forever. doesn't mean you might find another way that, that appeals to you and works better for you. So get creative, experiment, uh, and uh, put in some flexible structure and systems for yourself and rock on. Yes. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Jennifer Flynn. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at CarlaRoyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. You will find Jennifer at TheBalanceMaven.com. Through her uniquely balanced approach, she combines an omnipresent, intuitive gift with experience informed strategies to help spiritually minded business owners safely explore their soul's edges and strategically build a business that is a vehicle for a life they love to live. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness. (music) 